0: Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much for your worship. If you have a Bible today, we are going to be hanging out in Deuteronomy chapter 4. That's where our Bible study time will be. If you don't have a Bible, no big deal. Everything that we read will be on one of the screens so you can follow along. Pull your notes out of your bulletin. If you're brand new, that will help you follow along during the message, or if you're technologically advanced, you might fire up your Journey Church International app. Everything in your handheld device will, uh, everything on our screen will be right in your handheld device. If you're streaming today someplace with us in Kansas City, or if you're watching back during the week, thanks for hanging out with us. I meet more and more people who go to our church for months online before they come live. If you are one of those, come to church. We would love to meet you. We would love to see you. We'd love to shake your hand and see how we could pray for you. Many of you, I know, watched for a long time before you came. And our goal is that God would use our online ministry as a platform, but only as a platform to get people here, not as a replacement for being here. So thank you for being here today. I was reading a book that had a fascinating story in it a few weeks ago about an international kind of musician, speaker, author by the name of Ken Gobb. Ken Gobb started his ministry in the late 70s. And he has done ministry sharing his story through music, through books, through speaking in more than 115 countries around the world. He's visited Israel more than 100 times and taken people on trips. He says he's spoken in every state fair in America. And he said he'd speak anywhere from the state fairs to the Pentagon, which he spoke at, sharing who Jesus is in his life. But he said his craziest story occurred as he was on his way to the West Coast from where he lived in northern Kentucky. They were driving through Dayton, Ohio. He and his family, they decided to stop and get lunch. When they pulled up to the restaurant in the early 80s, he told his wife and kids, go inside. I'll be in in a minute. I want to stretch my legs. And as he was stretching his legs, he heard a payphone ringing. Now, for those of you underneath the age of 25, a payphone <laughs> used to be in a phone booth. And if you don't know what that is, go see Superman. It's where he changes his clothes. That's really the only thing you need to know about it. But he said as his payphone started ringing, he started looking around wondering, who's this phone call for? And he looked around, he didn't see anyone, and he thought, I know it's not for me, so he wasn't going to answer it, but it kept ringing, so he eventually walked to the phone booth, picked up the phone, and said, hello. And an operator said, I've got a long-distance call for Ken Gobb. And he laughed, and he said, you've got to be kidding me, this is a pay phone. And she didn't know what to say, and she said, well, is, is Ken Gobb there? And he said, yeah, this is him. And she said, I'll connect you. And he found himself connected to a woman from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, named Millie, Who said, is this Ken Gobb? And he said, yes, it is. And she said, Mr. Gobb, my name is Millie. This morning I wrote a suicide note and planned to take my life. But I don't want to die. I just can't go on living the way that I am. So after writing my suicide note, I prayed one more time and said, God, if you want me to live, you're going to have to show me what to do. And I remembered a commercial that you were on coming to our town to speak. And there was a phone number on this commercial, I couldn't remember it exactly, but I wrote down everything I could remember and asked the operator, when you made a long distance call in the early 80s, you would ask the operator to place a call for you, so ask the operator to call this number and, and here you are. So I must've remembered, are you in your office? And he started laughing and he said, no. And she said, well, where are you? And he said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you, I'm standing in a phone booth outside a restaurant in Dayton, Ohio. And she said, what are you doing there? And he said, apparently talking to you. He connected her to his ministry partner in her town, and she made it. Her story is wonderful. But as he walked in the restaurant, his wife asked him, where have you been? And He said, I had to take a phone call. In the 80s, you didn't take phone calls in parking lots or cars and on cell phones. She said, what do you mean? And he looked at his wife, and he said, apparently, God knows how to find me when he needs me. Apparently, God knows how to find me when he needs me. We're starting a series at our church this week that will take us through Easter called This Is My Story. And here's why we're starting this series. Here's why we're gonna be teaching this for the next five weeks, because here's our belief. Here's my belief passionately. I believe that who you are in life is important to God, and I believe where you are in life is impactful to others. I believe God knows where to find you when he needs you, and I believe both that God knows where you are, and I believe God needs you and your story. I believe that every part of your story, the really good days and the really bad days, I believe that every part of your story, your greatest celebrations down to the cancer diagnosis. I believe the greatest days of your story from the birth of your children to the death of your parents or your grandchildren. I believe every part of your story is a valuable part of your story that God knows is important to you and that God knows can be impactful to other people. And I believe through this series, some of you are going to find yourself at a phone booth with a phone ringing. And someone in the world looking for help who's going to be connected to you and your story. That's what the next five weeks are going to be about. Learning how to see Jesus in your story every day. And learning how to share Jesus as a part of just your natural conversational life every day of your life. We're going to start our journey in the book of Deuteronomy. Now before we jump into Deuteronomy chapter 4, let me give you some background on the book. Deuteronomy is a word in the Hebrew language it means second law. Deuteronomy is a word that means second law. This book was written and then it was spoken as a sermon to the people of Israel in the 40th year of a 40 year wilderness journey from Egypt. 40 years before this nation had been slaves in Egypt, God brought them out on the first year of this journey. He gave this exact same law to the first generation of free Israelites. All of those had died in the last 40 years. A new generation was raising up. And God said, Moses, make sure you tell them again what I told their parents and their grandparents. Deuteronomy was written. And it was spoken to the people of Israel on the edge of the promised land. Their journey was almost over in modern-day Jordan. If you were looking at a map, you could locate it on the map just east of modern day Jericho as the people of Israel waited to cross the Jordan River. And just a little tidbit that might help you see this story just a little more in your eyes. Deuteronomy was written to a generation of families where the oldest men were 58 years old and every one of them had visibly seen God every day of the past 40 years. You say, how do you know there wasn't anyone older than 58? Because 39 years before that, God had asked every male in Israel over the age of 20, there were 603,550 of them to go in and take the promised land. When they refused to, God said, only two of you, Caleb and Joshua, will live to see the second chance into the promised land. So only Caleb, Joshua, and Moses would have been over the age of 58 because everyone 59 and older had a chance to go into the promised land and said, no, we're not doing it. So they were all dead. So we see Kind of a young generation here getting ready to take the land of Israel, the promised land for the very first time. And what we learn about them and the power of their stories tells us how important we are to God And tells us how impactful our stories can be in our generation. My goal today is two things. One, that by looking at the history of Israel, we can learn their stories. And two, by looking at our own life, we can see the future of our stories and how God can use them. So let's pray that God puts those two things together. Would you bow your heads with me? And would you just whisper today this prayer from your heart to heaven? Would you ask God to speak to you today through the history of Israel? And ask him to show you how to see Jesus in your story and to learn how to share Jesus as a part of your story. God, that's our prayer today that by studying history, we might see our future. That by seeing how important stories were in Israel, we could see how important stories are today. And by seeing how you leverage the story, stories of people thousands of years ago, Lord, that we might see how you could leverage ours. That's our prayer Help us see our stories and learn how to share them through the lens of Jesus. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 5 and only go through verse 10 today. Moses is speaking to the people of Israel, and here's what he says. See, I have taught you decrees and the laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully. For this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live, teach them to your children and to, and to their children after them. Remember the day you stood before the Lord, your God at Horeb, when he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land. And so that they may teach them to their children. God told the people of Israel, it's going to be really important that you learn to remember your story and tell your story. It's going to be important for you that you learn to remember your story and tell your story. And it's going to be important for your children and grandchildren that you learn to remember your story and tell your story. And it's going to be important to the people of the land that you learn to remember your story and to tell your story. Let's fast forward a year from Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses is gone. He's dead at the age of 120. Joshua's in charge now. The manna is gone. It's fed them every day for 40 years, it's gone. They're now eating the food from the promised land. And the pillar of cloud that they've seen every day representing uh, God's, God's spirit in their camp and the pillar of fire that they've seen every night representing God's spirit in a camp, those are gone. The tabernacle's now at Shiloh, 30 miles north of Jerusalem in one centralized location. All of those things are gone, but God is still moving. And God said, post-Exodus Israel is going to look different than the generation of the last 40 years, but here's what you need to remember. One, the land is going to be proof of my promise. Every morning when you walk outside, I want you to take a deep breath and think, I can trust God. He, did, he does what he says he's going to do. The land will be proof of the promise. Moses will be gone. The manna will be gone. The pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire will be gone. But every day when you look at where you're standing, you're going to remember that you can trust me and your stories are going to be the proof of God. The land is going to be proof of my promise that you can trust me. But your stories are going to be proof of my existence to everyone who's not experienced what you've experienced. Your story will let me live in the hearts and lives of people, and your stories will help you remember that what I've done in the past, I can do in the present, and I will do in the future. I don't know about you, but I look at the world we live in, and it looks like a year after Deuteronomy chapter 4. Moses is dead. There is no one spiritual authority that speaks on behalf of God anymore in our culture, in our world, in our community. Moses is dead. There's no one who says, whatever he says spiritually, I'm going to do. The manna is gone. There's not a generation every day who goes to bed thinking, if God doesn't provide for me in the morning, I have no hope. There aren't very many Christians who go to bed. We say the words, give us our daily bread, but we don't mean that. We don't want to go 24 hours at a time with God. The manna basically is gone. We don't live in this day-to-day existence of every day having to count on God for everything. And the pillar of cloud during the day and the pillar of fire during the night sometimes... To be honest, it's really hard to see God. Sometimes it's really hard to even have hope that God is still there, but I promise you he is. And I believe he's still moving and still working. You say, how do you know? Because I hear the stories of it happening. Moses may be dead and the manna may be gone, but I promise you God is still moving and your stories are proof of that in the next five weeks, We're going to learn how to focus on Jesus at the center of our story so we can see God moving and share how God is moving. Today, we're going to learn two things from Deuteronomy chapter 4. First, we're going to learn this our story has great spiritual value. Your story has great spiritual value. From the great marriage to the failed marriage, your story has great spiritual value. From, From your student who's on the honor roll to your student who's on in school suspension, your story has great spiritual value. To the job you're progressing in like crazy, to the job You were let go of your stories have great spiritual value. Every minute of your life has great spiritual value in 1820 a little girl was born in New York by the name of Fanny Crosby when she was six weeks old. The doctors told her parents she is totally blind and she will she will be totally blind. She will never see anything. At the age of 15, she started attending the New York Institute for the Blind. By the age of 22, she was teaching at the New York Institute of the Blind. But at the age of six, she started hearing songs in her heart and writing them down. By the time she died, she had written eight thousand hymns that the christian church has sang if you've grown up in church you have sang one of fanny crosby's hymns my favorite of all time she wrote when she was 53 years old in 1873 it's called blessed assurance this was growing up in the traditional church that i grew up in this was my favorite song of all time because of how easy the chorus was to remember here's the words she wrote as a 53 year old woman blessed assurance jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior all the day long. And for those of you who know it, you would sing that part twice. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my savior all the day long. What Fanny Crosby knew was this. When Jesus becomes the central part of your story, your life becomes a glimpse of heaven. That's what Fanny Crosby knew. That's what Moses was saying. When Jesus becomes the central part of his story, what he's done, how he's forgiven, where you're going when you die, when Jesus becomes the central part of your story, your life and your story become a glimpse of heaven for other people. That's what Moses was saying. And he said in Deuteronomy 4 that our story would have four specific purposes, three for us, one for others. Letter A, our story would help us to remember that we are important to God. Our story would help us to remember that we're important to God. So much so, he said, people who don't feel like they're important to God are going to look at you and wonder how you can be so important to God. He said in Deuteronomy verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, what other nation is so great? as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him. Moses said, the nations are gonna look at you as you reflect on your story and tell your story and think, that's crazy. Here's a whole group of people whose God cares about them deeply. Have you, because of the recollection of your story and the reflection on it this week, remembered that you're important to God? Because if you ever have a moment, and some of you have, this week, where you thought, God isn't showing up, I don't think God cares. I don't think God's going to help. Moments where we forget that God is supernatural and all of our problems are natural are moments where we have just forgotten to roll over in our heads the stories of our past, which are also going to be true of our future. Our story helps us to remember we are important to God. Our story helps us, let her be, to remember the power of God. Our story helps us to remember we're important to God, but our story also helps us remember the power of God In Deuteronomy chapter four, verse nine, Moses says, you have to remember your story. He said, be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you don't forget the things that your eyes have seen. He said, it's important to see your story through the lens of what God has done because the obstacles of your future are no bigger than the problems of your past. And every one of those God helped you with and the God of yesterday is the day of today and he is the God of tomorrow. So remembering your story and reflecting as you face obstacles in the future on what God has done in the past allows you to know God is strong enough, if he wants to, to move on your behalf. Our story helps us to remember the power of God. Let her see our stories helped us not to drift from God. Boy, if anyone could have had stories that they would never forget and never drift from God, it would have been the people of Israel and this generation. But in Deuteronomy 4 9, Moses said, Don't let your stories fade from your heart as long as you live. Because he said, if the stories fade from your heart, you will drift from God. Listen, folks, if Israel could forget they walked through the sea on dry ground, If Israel could forget that when they were starving, God fed them from heaven. If Israel could forget when they were dehydrated that God gave them water from a rock. If Israel could forget that God spoke and they heard his voice on Mount Sinai. If Israel could forget that God would stop up the Jordan River so they could take the promised land. If Israel could forget those things, all of us could forget everything that God has ever done in our life. And when we stop reflecting daily on who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us, how Jesus loves us, who Jesus has been in the past for us. We can drift from God. Those three parts of our story are for us. But then Moses said, letter D, our story will draw the attention of those already being drawn to God. He said, you need to know your story is not just for you. Your story will draw the attention of those already being drawn to God. If you have a pen, I want you to underline this word. Go back one slide, Tony, if you would, already. Our story will draw the attention of those already being drawn to God. Moses said, we're going to enter a land where people are going to look at you and they're going to ask questions about your God because God is already allowing them to see who he is. Read what Moses said in Deuteronomy 4, 6, and 7. He said, the way you live by sharing your story, remembering God, he said, this is going to show your wisdom and it's going to show your understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees. And they're going to say, surely this is a great nation. It's a wise and understanding people. Go to verse 7. Because what other nation is so great as to have their gods near to them. Moses said, there are people in the land who are already beginning to reflect on our God. And through your story, they're going to see him. Our story will draw the attention of those already being drawn to God. Now, this is a crucial point to me of this message because of the truth that we're learning. First, the very good news of this truth. The good news is this. We are not the catalyst for anybody's faith. The good news is because God is already drawing people, we are not the catalyst for anybody's faith. You know, according to the Bible, no one ever wakes up and thinks, I'm gonna go try to find God today. The Bible said no one ever wakes up and thinks of their own accord, I'm gonna go try to find out who God is. No one tries a hundred other ways to find fulfillment in life and then thinks, I'll try God all by themselves. Romans 3, verses 10 and 11 say it this way. It's written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. Nobody on any day of their life wakes up and thinks, I might check out this Christianity thing today of their own accord. However, people are awakened to the fact that there is a God and they are drawn to him. You say, how? Jesus. John 12, 32 says it this way. Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, signifying the cross, I'm going to draw all people to myself. So Jesus said, people are being drawn to God, but it's because of me, not them. And here's where this gets a little more comfortable for me. Jesus says, it's because of me, not you. Because I used to think if I would have a bad week, someone might go to hell. You know, if I gave them a bad picture of what Christianity was, somebody might say no to Jesus. And Jesus says, hang on, nobody goes to heaven because of you. You are not the key element of anyone's salvation. I am, Jesus is. However, I still wanna use you Jesus is the one who draws people, but as I'm drawing people, I'm gonna let their story interact with your story so that your life can clarify what people see. The good news is we aren't the catalyst. Nobody goes to heaven because of us. It's only because of Jesus. However, we do get to be the conduit of faith for those that God is calling, for those that God is drawing. And here's what I believe. I believe many of your neighbors are already being drawn spiritually to God. And he wants to use your story and your interactions to clarify what Christianity is. I believe that many of your family members are already being drawn to God. They're already beginning to see that they need him. Jesus is doing that, but God's gonna use your story as it intersects with their life, to clarify what Christianity looks like. I believe many of your friends are already being drawn spiritually. I believe many of your coworkers are already being drawn spiritually. God is already beginning to pull them towards him, but he's going to use your story to kind of clarify what Christianity looks like in your life. My question for you is, do you believe this? Do you believe God is still drawing people in our community to himself, yes or no? I'm glad Michelle believes that. Does anyone else in the auditorium believe that God is still drawing people in our community to himself? Yes. Jesus says, if I'm lifted up on the cross, I'll draw all men to to myself. So yes, God is drawing our friends. He is drawing our neighbors. He is drawing our family members. He is drawing our co-workers. He is drawing our boss. He is drawing the people who work for us. And God says, as I draw them to myself, I'm gonna have them look at you because your story can be a clarifying picture of what it looks like to have God close to you. God says, I'm drawing them, and I'm asking them to listen to your story as part of the process. It's why the next five weeks, it's going to be so important to see God in the midst of our story, to see how our story revolves around Jesus. It's why every message the next five weeks will try to help you crystallize how Jesus is in the center of your story. It's why every one of our podcasts the next five weeks, this week we lay out seven areas where you can see Jesus in your story. If you never listen to our podcast, this series, listen to it. If you want to learn how to just find in your own spirit where Jesus is in your story so that you can share that. It's why in our small groups the next five weeks, we're going to be learning how to write our stories, share our stories, tell each other our stories, and then learn how we can give bits and pieces of those stories everyday conversations to people. It's why we're launching a website with this series, takethejourney.cc forward slash story. So if you're not in a small group, you can go on this website and learn how to tell your story. We're we're hoping people submit hundreds of stories through uh, either a document or through a video testimony saying, this is how Jesus is in the center of my story and how I have been able to share him with other people because we believe God is drawing our community. And we believe as God draws people, he allows their lives to intersect like Deuteronomy chapter four with people who already know God so they can say, wow, so that's, how, so that's how God does it. So that's what it looks like. Your story has great spiritual value, but here's why. Because our savior has a great spiritual vision. Our stories have great spiritual value because our savior has a great spiritual vision. And here is Jesus' vision for your life. Listen closely. Hopefully you can remember it. Here's Jesus' vision for your life that ultimately your story would be for God's glory. Jesus' vision for your life is that ultimately your story would be for God's glory. Say, what does that mean? That your story, your life would reflect back to him so that people see God when they look at you. I want you to think about it. We use the word story a lot, especially in this social media society. If we went and looked at your story from January 1 of this year to today on Facebook and we looked at all of your status updates, would your story reflect God's glory? Would we read everything you've posted online through Facebook and, and would it lead us to a clear picture of Jesus? For some of our teenagers who are on Snapchat telling stories all, you know, all day long, if we looked at your spring break Snapchat, And just followed your story. Would your story reflect God's glory? And would it make us think at the end of that week, while now I'm thinking about Jesus? For those of you who are on Instagram, does your Instagram story point people to Jesus? Because our story ultimately is supposed to be for God's glory. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 43, verses one through three and verses five through seven. Isaiah says, but now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I'll say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and whom I made. Ultimately, your story is meant to give God glory. And our stories too often say, look at us. And when we learn to see Jesus as the center of our stories, our stories won't anymore say, look at me. Our stories will start to say, look at Jesus. People won't follow our social media feed and see how much we love the gym. They'll see how much we love Jesus. People won't follow our social media feed and see how great our kids are. They'll see how great our Savior is. People won't follow our social media feed and see all the food that we eat. They'll see how we feed our spirit. like, do you see what I mean? We can follow people's stories, And a lot of times they don't point to Jesus. A lot of times our stories say, look at me. And Jesus says, if you are a Christian, your story on all platforms is intended to say, look at him. Look at Jesus. This thought that our stories should reflect his glory is the principal statement that Jesus made as he ascended from earth back into heaven to prepare a place where we could go and be with him. His last statement to his disciples was this, make sure your stories Reflect my glory. He said it this way in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We call it the great commission. He said, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The word go has been so misinterpreted and misrepresented in the church world for the last several hundred years because Jesus didn't speak English. He spoke either Aramaic or Greek. Matthew was written in Greek. And the word go, when you look at the verb tense, is a present active verb, which means it means the word go as you are going. Go doesn't mean go on a mission trip and then you've done the Great Commission. Go doesn't mean go to youth camp and then you've done the Great Commission. Go doesn't even mean leave your church and go tell someone about Jesus. Go means as you are going. Jesus said, I'm going to heaven, you're going home. As you go home, as you go to work, as you go watch your kids play sports, as you go to the gym, as you go to the spa, as you cook dinner, it's the same lesson of Deuteronomy chapter four. As you live your life, make sure you tell people about me. That's what Jesus was saying. As you live your life, make sure people see me. And you don't forget about me because you're important to me. And if you don't often reflect on your story, you might think God doesn't care about you. But I do. You're important to me. And you have my power in your life. And every now and then you might think you face something that's too big for me. But you never face anything that's too big for me. So reflect on your story so you don't forget my power. And reflect on my story so you don't drift from God. Because if Israel could drift from God, I promise you, you could drift from God. So make sure you often reflect on who i am and what i've done in your life because as you do that as you go as you live your life that way people that i'm already drawing to myself they'll get a real clear picture of what it looks like to walk with god and that's how i want to use your life i believe that god is drawing tens of thousands of people in kansas city to himself this easter season More people get saved, more people respond to the gospel, more people make spiritual decisions around Easter time than any other time. Why? I believe because of John 32, because Jesus says, if I'm lifted up, I'm gonna draw all men to myself. And when we focus on the cross, people make decisions for Jesus. That's gonna happen in our church and in thousands of churches across our city in the next five or six weeks. But as God is drawing people to himself, he's gonna allow their interactions to be with you in your story so you can clarify it. Maybe an invitation to come to church, maybe just what it looks like to walk with God and to have him near you in your life. But I believe God is moving. And I believe our families and our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our teammates, I believe God's drawing all of them and he wants to use all of us and our stories because who you are in life is important to God. And where you are in life and what you've experienced in life is impactful to others. If you can learn to see all of it with Jesus at the center and with people on the other end being impacted. say, Christian, why do you believe that? Because I believe in Jesus and I believe in Moses. I believe the stories of the Old Testament that convince me that God is real. I believe that God spoke to Moses from a burning bush. I believe that God drove the people of Israel out of Egypt by sending 10 plagues on a great nation. I believe that God split the Red Sea and the people of Israel walked through on dry ground. I believe it with all my heart. And I believe when they got into the desert and didn't have anything to drink, that God gave them water from a rock. And when they didn't have anything to eat, he gave them bread from heaven. I believe he spoke from Mount Sinai and the people heard his voice with their own ears. And I believe he kept them alive for 40 years in the wilderness so that he could stop the Jordan River and they could go into the promised land. I believe all of that with all of my heart. And I believe when they got to the promised land, Jesus said, Moses said, don't forget your stories because your stories will remind you of who I am and they will tell others of who I am. And I believe today stories are just as important today as they were in Deuteronomy chapter four. And I believe God is drawing people in our community to himself and that your story can help clarify a picture. Moses is gone, but one greater than Moses came. His name was Jesus. The manna has dried up But jesus said i'm the bread of life, which is eternal so much better than the manna you would eat every day Moses is dead. The manna is gone But because of jesus god's still moving Your stories prove that And if you can learn how to share them Boy, god can clarify a picture of what a people who are connected to him looks like For people that he's already drawing to that story in their life will you Join me in an effort in learning to see Jesus in the center, learning to share Jesus as a part of your every day because if you do, if we do, God will use us greatly this Easter season. we pray with me? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And God, we come to you in a spirit of prayer, believing that Moses is gone and the manna is gone, but that you're still working because our stories prove that and our stories are meant, Lord, to bring you glory. God, I pray you'll use our lives as a conduit for those that you're drawing. Lord, thank you that the responsibility of converting a soul, making a dead soul alive spiritually, doesn't lie with us. But that we're not totally outside that process. We get to be a part of it. Thank you that while you don't rely on us for salvation, you use us in people's story. Lord, we're honored and challenged by that reality. And God, we see it in our own stories. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But if you're in here, as you reflect on your story spiritually, if there was a person in your life who God allowed you to see, as God was drawing you, if there was a person in your life that God said, this is what it looks like when you get to me who was an integral part of your faith, would you pray right now and just thank God for them and for using their story for your glory? Maybe it's your mom and dad or your grandparents. Maybe it's a pastor or a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a teacher or a coach. Maybe it was a husband or a wife or one of your kids or maybe a neighbor. But if Moses is right and... Deuteronomy 4, and if Jesus was serious in Matthew 28, as God was drawing you to himself, he allowed you to witness real Christianity in the life of somebody else. He used their story as a conduit for yours. If that person in your life is still alive, would you pray for them right now? Would you ask God to bless them? for being such a blessing to you spiritually? Would you ask God to keep using their story for his glory? And would you consider today after you leave sending them a text message or a direct message on social media or maybe sending them an email or calling them or going to see them and just saying, hey, hey, We're learning how to share our spiritual story and I realize my story includes you. And I just want to say thank you again for modeling for me what Christianity looked like. Your story was important in my salvation. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed knowing that God uses stories in the journey to salvation. Who in your life That doesn't know Jesus is God drawing. You clearly see it. They've invested in and put their hope, and it seems like everything in life but Jesus and nothing is working out, and they are beginning to realize there's got to be something better. Who in your life has God ordained circumstances so they will be drawn to Him? but they interact with you. If you have somebody like that this Easter season, a relative, a friend, a neighbor, a coworker who you're looking at them thinking, I don't know if they're going to make it if they don't find Jesus. They're probably thinking the same thing. They just don't know Jesus is the answer yet. Would you pray for that person and pray that somehow your story could be used for God's glory to clarify what they need in Jesus pray for them by name and ask that God would use your story and their life for his glory learn how to tell your story and share it spiritually if it's just for them consider inviting them to sit with you at Easter, to have brunch with you after church, dinner with you after our Saturday night service that weekend, lunch with you after our afternoon services. God, thank you in Deuteronomy chapter 4 that Moses told the people of Israel, remember your stories so that you can tell them. Because your stories will be the proof of who our God is to you going forward and to others who are watching. Thank you that Jesus, a few thousand years later, would say the same thing to his disciples. As you go, don't forget. As you go, don't forget. To make me the center of your life so that people, as they look at you, they learn about me. God, help our church to do that. Help our church to live in such a way that we have learned how you are at the center of every part of our story and so that we can share those realities with those you are drawing to yourselves. Thank you for Jesus. He is our blessed assurance. He is our foretaste of glory. He is our forgiveness and our salvation. Help us not to forget that. Help us to learn how to tell that. That's our prayer. For the next several weeks. And we ask these things today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. amen.